Welcome to Forbes Newsroom. Joining me now is Sarah Dorn, politics reporter here at Forbes. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for having me. Of course, as you know, it was a chaotic start to the weekend. When you and I last talked, there were six rounds of voting for Kevin McCarthy, still no speaker. Now it went up to 15 when he finally clinched the gavel. So can you recap for us the mayhem surrounding the last few votes? Yes. So this vote stretched into early Saturday morning. It was after 1 a.m. that McCarthy was finally elected following a lot of political theater playing out on the House House floor. C-SPAN cameras captured all of it. Very, very exciting television for something that's, you know, typically inside baseball and politics. Um, So McCarthy ended up winning 216 votes on the final ballot. Uh, That's one more than the 215 that he needed to clinch the speakership. Now, early in the week, um, you may have heard the number 218 being bantied about as the number of votes that he needed to reach the majority threshold because there are 435 members of the House. That number was lowered to 215 by the final ballot because we had six members who voted present. Um, So their votes essentially did not count. by by the one of the final rounds of voting, the the 14th round, um, he ended up flipping 15 Republican votes, but there were still several who were voting against him. And so by the 15th round, six members voted present, um, which allowed him to to win the majority. Um, and yes, again, lots of drama leading up to that. Marjorie Taylor Greene holding up her phone with Donald Trump on the line. Mike Rogers had to be restrained, um, physically restrained when he confronted Matt Gates, who had voted present in the 14th round, causing McCarthy to lose by uh, one vote. It really was like watching reality TV on Friday night between McCarthy yelling at Gates, the other congressman being restrained, things like that. But as we talked about last time, and it's since progressed, McCarthy had to concede even more to win the gavel. What are some of the concessions that we know about? So the House is preparing to vote on what is known as the rules package that lay out many of these concessions this evening. One of the major concessions is lowering the threshold um, that, that for the number of members who have to agree to begin the process for ejecting the speaker. And that process is known as the motion to vacate. Previously, a majority of the conference was needed. Um, a majority of the conference of whichever party is in power was needed in order to begin that process. And it has now been knocked down to one member. And there are other, you know, McCarthy backers, moderates in Congress who are expressing a lot of concern about this rule change and that it would allow any member, anytime they agree, disagree with McCarthy to bring up the motion to vacate and really put Congress at a standstill. Um, Another concession that is you know, being discussed and debated today in the lead up to the the vote on the rules package is the freezing of federal spending at fiscal year 2022 levels for fiscal year 2024. So Congress is proposing that there are no increases in spending in the upcoming budget negotiations, which will begin at the end of September when the current fiscal year ends. And the main concern is that this would hamstring defense spending and prevent the military from 
spending on, you know, new programs, new developments. Um, we have a lot of conservative defense hawks who are very much against this. Tony Gonzalez, a 20-year veteran of the military, has come out and said he is definitively voting no on the rules package due to this concession. Um, and Representative Nancy Mace of North Carolina is another member who has expressed some serious reservations about it. And Tony Gonzalez um, on Fox News this morning actually also mentioned the motion to vacate and his concerns regarding that concession as well. With all of these concessions, what type of leader can Kevin McCarthy be? You know, it's interesting. Um, a lot of people are saying that he basically had to give up the speakership in order to hold on to it. But at the same time, his opponents, um, you know, on the Sunday talk shows the, over the weekend, were calling him a very skilled leader and negotiator and saying that, you know, he had a great candor um, throughout the negotiations, really kept a level head and was able to accomplish what was a difficult feat. And um, Mike Rogers, the congressman who confronted Matt Gates, he's um, a longtime critic of the House Freedom Caucus. And, you know, even those two have patched things up since this showdown over the weekend. So I think that it did make some headway in laying out how these conservatives expect moderates and leadership to negotiate with them moving forward. Um, and, you know, they they did establish their boundaries, if you will, and their really their their leadership prowess, um, you know, on the other side of McCarthy. So I think that you know, he he proved it was it was a tough road, but he did prove that he can get it down, get it done. And, you know, Scott Perry was one of his um, opponents who over the weekend, as I said, on the Sunday talk shows was calling him, you know, an extraordinarily talented leader. And there have been a number of statements from his opponents saying that they look forward to working with him moving forward. So I think this is, you know, sort of a happy moment for Republicans. Conservatives have what they want. McCarthy has his speakership. Of course, there is a lot of concern and, you know, underlying chaos that we saw play out about how this is going to affect, um, you know, some some hot button issues and um, things that are really a huge priority for Congress to get done moving forward. Kevin McCarthy did eke out that victory. It was ugly, but he did get there. And what we saw last week was a few hard right Republicans really hold this speakership hostage from the majority of the Republicans. So does this foreshadow their outside outsized strength in the next session? Absolutely. I mean, they were, you know, um, leading up to this, there were a number of moderates saying we don't understand what their end game is here. Um and there are a number of significant concessions, but I think that they were really trying to solidify and show what their strategy is going to be moving forward and just, you know, make a stance and a statement and say to moderates, to leadership, you are going to have to negotiate with us. We will not be silenced. Um, you know, the, the hard right movement might not be as powerful as it was under former President Donald Trump, but we plan to carry it on and you will have to negotiate with us. And um, there there are a number of, as I said, hot button, high priority, pri high priority issues coming up that 
conservatives can really use to their advantage and and leverage the seriousness of these issues in negotiating other demands, whether it's, you know, immigration cuts to cuts to spending. I mean, broad cuts to spending. That is that's something that, um, you know, is just a part of the conservative movement. But, you know, already tonight they they're set to vote. The House is set to vote on its first piece of legislation, which is to roll back um you know, an $80 million infusion in the Inflation Reduction Act, which is a signature of Biden policy uh, that that would fund the IRS and pay for, you know, 87,000 more IRS agents. So, uh, you know, we can expect a lot of that more moving forward, particularly regarding the debt ceiling fight. At some point late in the summer, the $31 trillion Debt ceiling will have to be raised, or we we risk, uh, you know, the government defaulting on its legal obligations, Medicare and Social Security payments, and even a government shutdown. So that is a huge negotiating tool that we can expect we can expect the conservatives to use moving forward, and it's it's already you know being being talked about um, in the halls of Congress. And you said that they patched things up, but we did see just a few days ago one member of Congress having to be physically restrained on the House floor. So what do you think that this says overall, this fight, this week-long chaos, say about the Republican Party? Well, there is something that happened today, actually, um, that is that is sort of, in, I, well, I think in general terms, it says that the Republican Party is still there is still this coalition of right wing members who are not willing to bow to what they would call the establishment. And, you know, even though they're in the minority, they want to assert their power and make sure that they, um, you know, have have leverage um, in opposing leadership and, you know, op- opposing the stronger, larger coalition of moderates who are in Congress, even though at times you you would hear many moderates say throughout the last week during the speaker election, ideologically, they do align with conservatives more so in many ways, but it's this chaotic style of governing that they disagree with. Um, but I think in order to maintain their identity, to carry out, um, you know, to, to continue the Trump politics that many of them were elected on. Um, this is this is the strategy that that they have to take. But there there's an example of something that unfolded today. Um, you know, a lot of people are tying it to the incident with Mike Rogers and Matt Gates, where, again, Mike Rogers had to be restrained on the House floor when he confronted Matt Gates because he essentially blocked McCarthy's win in the 14th round. Um, Mike Rogers was a prominent member on the steering committee, which doles out committee assignments. Uh, He announced today that he is stepping back from the steering committee. He did not explicitly say that it was due to the confrontation with Matt Gates, but committee assignments were such a huge sticking point over the last week and that McCarthy early in the week had threatened conservatives. And you heard Lauren Bobert talk about this on the House floor and saying that their committee assignments were at risk if he did not support them. And that is being seen as, uh, you know, a negotiating flaw in, in what McCarthy did last week because it really angered conservatives. And 
Mike Rogers alluded to that when he confronted Gates on the House floor. He said, I will not forget this. And so, you know, today, again, Mike Rogers resigning from the steering committee and who has who has become the speaker designee on the steering committee. It's Byron Donalds, um, who, as you know, was not nominated by conservatives last week. Is it like an insurgent challenger or, or um, to to McCarthy? Um, you know, very unexpected. But he he did end up being heavily involved in the negotiations. And I think I even told you last week when you asked me, like, who are the rising Republican stars and all of this? I mentioned Byron Donalds and, you know, just today, first day of official business underway. And he has a prominent position on the steering committee. And Mike Rogers has been he's stepped down. So. I want to talk now about how Americans feel about this. You covered a survey that polled Americans' response to this Republican infighting and the speakership fight in general. How did the public overall feel about the way the vote went down? Most um, adults disapproved of the speaker election process. 55%. This is according to a CBS YouGov survey reliable organization that was taken January 4th through 6th. So as the speaker vote was ongoing, um, 45% said that they approved of the process, but among Republican survey respondents, 64% approved and 36% disapproved of the process. So there's some stark differences there and you can, um, you know, imagine why it's, it's because Republicans were, or conservatives, at least, were doing this in order to, um, you know, assert more power and have more leverage in negotiating things that are important to conservatives. And that a lot of Americans, particularly Republicans who are paying attention to a process like this, you know, they they agree with those some of those things ideologically. And how does the American public feel about Kevin McCarthy himself? So uh, only 14% of survey respondents have a favorable opinion of Kevin McCarthy. 34% said that they have an unfavorable opinion of him. Um, But I think most notable is that 32% are neutral. And um, the numbers were even more stark. I don't have them in front of me for Hakeem Jeffries, who is the minority leader in the House um, on the Democrat side. Very few people were even familiar with him. And so I think that it's, it says a lot about, um, you know, I mean, Nancy Pelosi has, has been our, the speaker for some time now. She, when people hear speaker, they associate that position with her. Um, and I think the speaker elections typically are very inside baseball. Um, you know, this isn't historically something that people t- pay attention to. It's it's done very quickly. And it's not until the governing gets underway that people have time to really form their opinion of who the speaker is. So I think that that is why that's what is reflected by these numbers. As we're looking toward the next two years, Joe Biden's a Democrat. He's the president. Republicans control the House. Democrats control the Senate. Do voters want Republicans and Democrats to come together for the next two years? Yes. So the vast majority of respondents, 70 percent, want House Republicans to prioritize working with Biden and the Democrats. Uh, in, in contrast, um, you know, 30 percent want them to oppose Biden and the Democrats policies. 
And, um, you know, even among Republicans, Republicans are almost evenly split when it comes to whether or not they want House Republicans to oppose and go after Biden and his policies. So I think that we're seeing a lot of fatigue with this divisive style of politics that we've had since 2016 when Trump was elected. Um, and and yes, again, 48 percent of Republicans want them to work with the opposing party and only 50 percent want the GOP to challenge Democrats. Nonetheless, the GOP is already moving forward with a series of investigations as early as today. The first day that after, you know, the new Congress was sworn in, they've, you know, announced plans to become to begin requesting information from the Biden administration regarding their communications with big tech. This is like in an effort to investigate censorship that they feel has cost them many elections. Um, they've announced, you know, investigations into the Biden administration's handling of the coronavirus pandemic, immigration policies. Um, you know, Hunter Biden is a major target. So despite their intentions, Americans do not have, you know, much of an appetite for this. And that even extends to Republicans. Well, we will definitely keep an eye out on how it all shakes out. Sarah Doran, thank you so much. Thank you, Brittany.